Thank you for connecting to this podcast from Faith Renewed Outreach Center. We hope that it's an encouragement to you today. For more information, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. Uh, if you have your Bible, go ahead and hold it up for a minute. If this is your first time, we go to this book every week here. We, we believe it's God's Word, that He speaks life into us through it, and uh, we're just excited. And if you're a digital Bible kind of person, if you use the Version app, Pastor Chris uh, mentioned this earlier, if you're a Version uh, user, you can do this today. Uh, we're going to be just testing out and trying out a couple of things to maybe help disciple and help just kind of get you into the Word even on a deeper level. But if you're a Version user, you can go to Version and on your side menu, menu today, there's, uh, it's there every week and every day, but there is a, a little uh, app there, a little button you could push called Live Event. And if you click that Live Event and do search for event, you'll find three words on your phone today in full with scriptures, points, principles, everything on there. You'll find links to the websites, link to our TuneIn app, ways to give. It's just, it's awesome. So uh, we're going to test it out. If you like that, let us know it so we can do more of that. If it's something that you see that you're going to use. Also want to tell you this, if you've never used it before, it's a really neat thing. Uh, you can go in where it said, add your notes. You can actually add a note uh, your, to yourself and kind of follow along. And then above that, there's a place to email. If you will put your email address in there, when you send that, what this will do is this will create a draft for you that you will compose. And in this draft is fully editable. Editable? Is that a word? Thank you very much. Bob says it's a word, so I'm going with it. Editable. And, uh, editable. Editable. Not edible, editable, and uh, and you can take that and just send the whole thing, keep it for your record. So it's just cool, man. So check it out. Let us know if you like it. We'll do more of it. So um, either way, uh, if you have your Bible, turn to John chapter eighteen. Yeah. Amen. I love your enthusiasm. John chapter 18, and uh, if you don't have your Bible, it's going to be on the screen for you. You can follow right along with us. Um, and today we're going to read about eight verses to kick this thing off. John eighteen. Verse number one is where we will begin. And so uh, when you got it, say, let's do this. If you're still looking, say, hold on. We'll wait for you because we want to make sure you are a part of this thing. So uh, John 18, verses one through eight. And um, just to maybe set you up for just a moment about what's happening here before we begin to read, this is the betrayal and the, the arrest of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's there, and we see the soldiers come in, and we just literally before our eyes see a beautiful picture of the love of Jesus just unfold. And in three words today, that's going to change everything, I believe, for your life if you let it get inside of you. So verse 1 says this. It said, when Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place. For Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things, aren't you glad he knows all things? Man, that's my God. He knows all things that would come upon him. He went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, 
I am he. Ooh, somebody. I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way. Wow. Even in this moment, you still see the heart of Jesus and his love for others and just even making sure that nobody else was taking any of the penalty for our sin other than him. He wanted to come in and take the full wrath of our sin. And so in this, he said, let them go. I'm the man. And he is. Let's pray and talk to him right now. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus the name above every name, Lord. And we're just so thankful, Lord, for what you're doing in this church. Just thankful, Lord, for the lives that are changed. And Lord, those that are going to be changed today, God, as your word comes alive to us, God, just let it be revealed to us, Lord, your character, your nature, who you are, Lord, who you want to be in us. And we just thank you right now for all that you're doing. And uh, I just thank you, Lord, today, God, that in this word, there's an answer to every question, Lord. We'll see that you're the problem to every, every struggle. You're the solution to every problem right now, God. And you are, Lord, the one who meets our need. And you are the great I am. And I'm just so thankful for that today. God, open our hearts to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Fist bump your neighbors say, I'm glad you're here today. I am glad that you're here today. We are today in the conclusion finale, last message, whatever you want to say, in a series that we've been doing that got kicked off on Easter called Three Words. And three words is, uh, is we've been looking, just amazing to see different things throughout Scripture that just so much hinges upon those three words. And it's a powerful thing today. What we're going to get into as we conclude this today, this message today on this series called Three Words, um, just going to kind of let you know, just uh, make sure you understand this. In the original text, uh, in the Greek, this was actually just two words. Um, this was Jesus speaking up, and he literally just stood before this crowd, and he said that I am. Uh, and, and that is cool. Uh, the he was added for us to grammatically kind of uh, read it out and understand it a little bit more. But if you would look at the original text and ever studied this, he is saying just two words. But it is amazing what hinges and what rests upon the two words that we see here. There's, you'll, you'll find out today so much power in those two words. Uh, there's, there's so much peace in these two words. And, uh, and, and if you've ever studied scripture and you've, if you ever reflect back, you may have heard about a time when God spoke to a man named Moses out in a desert through this bush. And he said to him, he said, I am. I love it. And he said this to him in letting him know that when Moses would go forward into Pharaoh's court and he would have to answer the question, who sent him there? God let him know that he said, just tell them I am sent you. And, and we say, well, did God not know who he was? Um, could he not just say, tell them Jehovah or El Shaddai or, or God himself? Could he not just say that. No, he had to break that down and put that in a couple of words that had so much significance to him because when he said, I am, he knew that there would be times when I am would have to be a provider, and he is. 
There would be times when he would have to be a healer and he is. And there would be times he'd have to supply and he is. And there would be all of these different things that we will face. And today it's no different. It's no different. There are times that you need this God to show up in your life and be healer. He is. There are times that you need him to show up and provide, and he is, and he's your peace, and he's your strong tower, and there's so many things we can say about him, and he narrowed it down, and he said, just tell them, I am. What? Wow. And it's amazing to think that he spoke these words, and you see Jesus in this garden make such a claim. What? Hold on. It's one thing to be speaking through a bush that would not be consumed. But it's another thing to get up as a man, but also as God, and from the lips of, of truly flesh, speak forth the words that he spoke. Now, as we reflect for just a moment, I want you to see how big a deal this is. Uh, typically in the movies, you would see Judas come up with a couple of his boys and, and a couple of the troops and come up and this unfold. But if you study and really look deep into the scripture here, you see that in verse 3 of chapter 18, it said, Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops, uh, one of your uh, translations may see a band of, 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 of soldiers, whatever it may be, but there's this band, this detachment, whatever it may be, it is this Greek word called spira, and it literally literally is this. It is a group of about 600 soldiers. And so this is not just a couple of guys coming up. This is a big deal because you need to remember that Jesus stood out before thousands and thousands were fed. He stood up before literally just, I mean, we know of probably close to 15,000 with the women, the children, everyone that was there that day, and he took a little boy's lunch, a number two value meal, and he took that lunch, and he fed the entire place that was there that day, and he was able to do this and have leftovers. So it's amazing. So they're not going to send just a couple of cronies up to come after this Jesus. They're going to make sure they're prepared when they come into his presence because there's no telling what could take place. So this is possibly up to 600 people that are here that day. And in the midst of those 600 people, we see that there was a guy here named Judas. And the scripture says that Judas was with them, the one that betrayed him. And when Jesus spoke the words, I am he, it said in verse 6 that they fell back, they drew back, and they fell down to the ground. Now, you, now this is going to help us understand a little more how big this is. Well, this ain't just a couple of guys going, huh? Sir? No. 600 falling down and bowing, having to bow before the one true God named Jesus. And I'm just so thankful he spoke that. And I think he was letting them know. I think he was even letting Judas know, let me tell you something, I'm greater than your betrayal. I think he's letting everyone know that you're not here arresting me. I'm freely going for you. I think in just a brief moment of speaking word and just saying that to them, they had to fall back and they had to see the glory of God be revealed when he spoke those words. Now, we're going to hang out in just, probably this is a rare thing, but in the book of John. So just hang out in the book of John and go on a little journey with me today as we look at today how powerful the words are today of our Lord and our God when he speaks and he says, I am. John 8, verse 58 says this. He, Jesus said to them, 
Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Wow. Now, you got to think, these guys loved them some Abraham. I mean, they were fans. I mean, that was their, their father, Faith, and these guys respected in, in that name. And Jesus stood up and he spoke and said the words here today. He said, I am. That means he did this. He had to exist before his human life there on that, this, this earth. Before there ever was this little baby wrapped in these swaddling clothes, laying in a manger and angels speaking up and shepherds falling back and all that unfolding, there had to be Jesus. And he says here, he speaks up and he says, before Abraham was, I am. He's making a claim there that is just today. What if someone came in here and got up and made such a claim? We would say, man, they're crazy, and, and, and that's just, that makes no sense. And there are people that have tried this and done this and gathered around certain little groups around them and, and uh, got little, you know, uh, little cults or whatever you want to call it and just got their little crony, all their little people together and seen this. But listen, Jesus gets up and makes this claim saying, I'm God. Now, you have to see that in this moment, it was then, literally, it was then. That was all they needed. That was all the the Pharisees and all the skeptics, that's all they needed. They were already ticked that he was getting in their bank accounts when he was healing people that they were getting money off of and and casting demons out out of people that they were gaining off of and throwing those demons into the pigs and pigs running off. They were seeing money fly. They were ticked off already. There were a lot of reasons they were frustrated. But the moment Jesus said this, he said, I am, it was in that moment that he made such a claim and they immediately were ready to stone him because of him doing something called blasphemy and thinking that he would make such a claim. And if he was not God, that was blasphemous. If he wasn't who he said he he was, we're wasting our time. And so we have to understand that today, Jesus is either the greatest con man who's ever walked this earth or the greatest gift ever given to fallen man. He is today either the greatest common who ever walked this earth or the greatest gift ever given to fallen man. And so you have to make that decision. Who is he to you? He said that I am. And he makes this claim. And we see in the book of John, him make seven such statements and him, him proving and letting everyone know of his divinity, of who he was. He, he was God and he was the answer. So we're going to look at these things today. So go with me into this book of John as we unfolded a few things here and look at the claims that Jesus made. First one is this. We find in John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus makes the claim that he is the bread of life. Oh, man, he makes this claim. In verse 35, it says that Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. He makes this statement. He makes this claim before all of these people, and they liked it now when he was feeding them the natural bread. They loved it when they were feeding him the natural value, number two meal, and he were doing those things. But he makes this claim that he is the true bread of life. 
he makes this statement, and I'm just, it's just amazing to think about how much, you know, again, most people, they love bread. I mean, they're fans of it. We, uh, last night, went to Hungry Howie's, uh, uh, Hungry Howie's restaurant, got some, got some food, you know, and, and Faith, uh, my greatest daughter I've ever had, uh, she, she makes a statement a few times just to let Mama know that she orders some what? Cheese bread. I mean, she, she, she's letting her know. And, uh, I mean, uh, Angel, she heard her. She, let, she was, okay, we got it. Cheese bread's coming. And, you know, but she just let her know. Before we left, got in the car, and we're leaving, headed home, she said, did you get cheese bread? I mean, she made sure that she was getting it. Because, again, that's some, that is, that's some good stuff. And, but in this, this bread, this source of strength, we have to understand that cheese bread is going to go. Cheese bread is not going to hang around. It's going to leave us. But Jesus is the bread of life. Wow. And in this discussion in John 6, they're talking about something called manna. Manna was a way that God fed his children each day as they were going through the desert land. And it was amazing. There are a lot of things that kind of connect to manna that are huge that we need to look at. And for Jesus to make this claim, how big a deal this is. He said that in scripture, we see that the manna would fall down from heaven. It would kind of be like frosted flakes on the ground and it would just kind of lay out there and they would have to go out that day and gather it and bring it in just enough for that day. And Jesus is making a claim here and saying that he is the bread of life. And in the same way that they would have to get up and go out and take and receive and bring that in, that's the same way we have to do in our walk. Every one of us, we have to get up. And he makes the prayer. He says that give us this day our daily bread. And, and we, that's how we pray. And so each of us have to do this. Get up every day and partake of the bread. Get up every day, sit at his table and fellowship with him. And he is the bread of life. He is the only one. He is the only one who will ever sustain you spiritually. And, but unfortunately, we try to do this. We try to go out and we, we try to sustain ourselves. Or uh, I love what Herb said earlier. I mean, we try to meet our own need or we try to do it our way. But we see here, he is the only one who sustains us. And Jesus makes the claim that he is the bread of life. Big deal. Number two is this. He says in John 8, 12, he makes the claim, and he gets up and speaks that I am the light of the world. Wow. Look at verse 12 of John 8. He says that Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Wow. We, um, unfortunately, at our house this morning, uh, the, the power went out. Anybody live in Simpsonville whose power went out? Other, was that just a one? We were only one blessed with that today. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, well, we, we woke up this morning, had power, and then it was uh, just a little bit in the morning. I was sitting there studying and just spending some time praying, getting ready, and then all of a sudden, everything went off in the house. And it was just, I don't know, one of those things you kind of get frustrated and kind of gets you a little bit upset. And I, I think the Lord was just trying to give me a little sermon illustration, give me, trying to give me some material here. I think that's what he was doing, just letting me know. Because in that moment, yet there was some light coming in, but the light of the house had left us. And it was literally this morning, I got up and went in and I, I was shaving by flashlight in, in, the, in, in the bathroom this morning. That's why I missed a couple of spots. Uh, you know, uh, 
right there. I trimmed that up right there. Um, but, I mean, I, I thought I was clean cut, and I got in here, and I saw this. And I thought, man, I missed this spot. It was dark. But, but that light had left us. I was in the closet with my flashlight trying to find something that wasn't real wrinkled this morning because I wouldn't be able to iron anything today. And so I just began to think about how difficult it is without light. How hard is it and how much we struggle and literally try to run around. And Jesus gets up and makes this claim that he is the light of the world. And today there's some of you, you're in some dark places. If, if it was just us sitting around at the coffee table right now and, and discussing across the, talk, the table with a cup of coffee in our hand, you could probably begin to tell me some certain things that are going on in your life. Some of you are going through some difficult situations right now. Family's not going well. Your walks, there's a lot of things not well. You're in a dark place. You know the answer to that is? Jesus. It's Jesus. He's the light of the world. He was the one who will shine light. He will help you. And he is the only one that in the darkest moments of your life, if you'll turn and trust in him, he will shine light on your dark situation and bring light to it. And you'll be able to walk and, and go in the direction he has planned for you. His word said it's a lamp to your feet, light unto your path. He speaks to you. He is this light. And you can walk this thing out in him. He is Jesus. He is the light of the world. Number three, we see this. Jesus make the claim in John 10, 9, that I am the door. Verse 9 says that I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. Now, I, I, love, I love each of the claims. This one stood out to me probably in a little bit different way than the others, he did not say what some are trying to get this world to think today and to get us to grab hold of the mindset of he is not just a door. He is not just a door that can get you into a place. He is the only door. He is the only answer. Jesus is the only way. And we're living in this time where all these roads really all lead back to the same place. And you can get there through meditation or Muhammad or Buddha or just being good or, or just loving somebody. And you can do all these things and it will eventually all get us back around to this same place. Jesus said, that is not the truth. He stands up and he makes the claim and he says what nobody else can say. He said, I am the door. And today we know if we take that door, that takes us into the hospitality room. You come off the stage, take a right, walk into that door, you go into my office. The door is an access into a place for you. It is an access point to take you somewhere you are not currently at. And so he says this about it in scripture. He says that we can go in through that door and we can be saved. Now today, if you don't have salvation, you're not in a relationship with Jesus, you know what you need to do? Go through the door. You need to walk in through Jesus and, and come to him and come to that door. And you know what you'll find in that door through the other side of that? He said you'll find pasture. If you know anything about sheep, you know that there's, there's a pasture that they have. And the shepherd leads them to this pasture and he lets them eat. God has provision for you on the other side of the door. God has the answer for you on the other side of the door. And what's wrong with a lot of us today in a situation is this. We're looking at the door saying that's an awesome door. 
We look at it and we say, yeah, that's probably a better door than this door. But if we understand he is the only door that will take you into salvation, the only door that will take you into being good pasture, he's the only one that will take you into a place of supply, he is the only one that will do that. And Jesus gets up and makes such a claim. Wow. I can't believe he would do that. Number four is this. He says this. He says in John 10, 11, he says that I am the good shepherd. He tells them, and he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Wow, hear that. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. A shepherd has to deal with things. A shepherd has to deal with wolves. A a, a shepherd has to deal with things trying to come against his flock and come against those that he is there to provide and protect and take care of. And Jesus is the good shepherd. He is so much the good shepherd. The scripture says that he literally gives his life for his sheep because each of us as not real bright animals sometimes, sheep, uh, each of us struggle. Each of us fumble, fail, and fall. And each of us literally should be the one that was led to the slayer, led to the one who would would take that lamb and literally take the life of that. But Jesus was this. We learned this Wednesday that Jesus was our Passover lamb. He was the one who took our place. He was the one who came in and gave his life ultimately for us so we could have life in him. And it says that he gives his life for us. I don't know about you. I'm thankful he's a good shepherd. And a good shepherd will do this. A good shepherd will lead you. A good shepherd will guide you and direct you and give you truth and, and not just tell you things you love to hear or want to hear, but he'll tell you the truth that'll get you in a good pasture. He's a good shepherd who loves us, and he's, I'm so thankful he did that for us. Number five is this. He is the resurrection and the life. Oh, man. Can you believe he said all this? Jesus said to her in John eleven twenty five. he said that I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Oh, man. I, it, hear this. I, this is for somebody. Listen, listen. The dead things in your life, the impossible situations that seem like there's no hope and there's no life left in them, he comes in, he is the resurrection, and he is the life, and he'll breathe life into those things. If you know the story, you know that Jesus literally stands up, speaks a name, and life comes forth. You have to understand how powerful what he's saying here is. And there's some of you right now, you think the enemy has gotten you convinced and gotten you to believe that this thing's dead and it's over and it'll never live again. Got good news for you. He's the resurrection, and he's the life. And when he speaks forth your name and he calls that out, if you respond and come to that, he brings life into dead things. He turns situations around. Lazarus in the grave so long that he's stunk. He can take stinking, messed up, dead situations and turn them around when he speaks it forth. That is our Jesus. That is our God. That's the one we're talking about. And he got up and said, I don't know. I feel like just so many of us, we get involved so much and we're trying to do CPR on our situation. 
And we're trying to get up and we're saying, I'm, man, I'm trying everything I can try. And I'm, I'm doing everything I can do, man. I'm, I'm, I'm doing compressions, I'm doing breaths, and I'm doing everything that I can to do that will not sustain you. That will not bring life into your death situation. Only Jesus, only him, when he breathes forth the life of the living God inside of you. Only then can it live. And there's some of you, God's called to live again. There's some dreams that have died off. God's calling it to live again. There's some things that have lied dormant for too long. He's wanting to breathe life back into that dead thing again. Let him. Let him do it. Let him breathe life. Let him speak your name this morning. Let him call you. And he loves you. And there is hope and life in him. There's some of us, we've lost loved ones. And there are those who went on before us. Listen, if they died in faith, listen to me. They're more alive than they've ever been. We'll see them again. We'll spend eternity with them again. Because there's life. There's resurrection. There's life only in Jesus. But y'all talk a lot about Jesus in this church, don't you? Yes. He's the only one. He is the only way. And he speaks this to us, and he gets up and makes such a claim. How dare he? Number six, he says this in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. Verse 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Pastor, what if I sign up for epic ministry and I start serving there? You should. Be a part of it. What if I sign up, man, and I try out and I'm, I get on the hospitality or I do this? You should do all those things, but doing any of those things, none of those things save you. None of those things. That's just what saved people do. That's just what we do. As saved save people, we serve and we love and we do all these things. But listen, he is the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only life. If you will let him today, he's letting us know if we'll turn and trust in him. Some of you like, there is no way. Yeah, there is. His name's Jesus. There is no, there's no situation. There's no way this thing can turn. Yes, there is. He's the way. He is the truth. And he's alive. And his name is Jesus. He is him. And it's only in him. Number seven is this. And he says that I am the true vine. John 15, 1. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. He makes such a claim. He makes such a statement. He goes on to verse 5 of John 15, and he said, I am the vine, you are the branches, and he who abides in me and in him bears much fruit. But for without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. And listen, I've seen this, and I know how the enemy works. The first thing he wants to do when, when he comes in and attacks you, he wants to disconnect you. Because if he knows if he can get you cut off, if he can get you disconnected, it will die. But as long as you're connected to the vine, and listen, he's the vine dresser. He's the one who pulls on us and takes the mess off of us and works on us. It's the Spirit of God that does those things. We don't do that to each other. He does that in us, and he is the vine. And what's happened today, some of you have disconnected. And what he's saying is this, just come to me. Just attach to me. He's the source all the way, the truth, the life, the shepherd, all of these things only happen when we connect to him. There is no life apart from him. I was cutting my grass the other night, and my neighbor right across the fence from me, I was, I was cutting, and all of a sudden, I just heard, I mean, it was, I didn't have my headphones on, which I normally do. I was cutting, and all of a sudden, I just saw something fly by my head. And I was like, stop for a minute. I said, did I just see that? 
And I looked up, it was a squash. I know you didn't. I know I ain't been the best neighbor, but you ain't throwing a squash at me when I'm out here cutting my grass. I mean, I'd come over the fence, and, and I was serious, man. I was ready, but I just stopped. And I kind of just laughed for a minute, I, and I looked, and this little lady was out there in the garden, and she was working, and what she was doing, she was just throwing the stuff that had died off to the side. I took a brother out, but it was, it was an opportunity. And so I just stopped and I said, man, I, I, I didn't mean to make you mad. You know, I, and she said, oh, I'm sorry. I almost hit you. And I was like, you know, it was okay. And so we just began to talk a little bit. And, and before it was all said and done, I left with a bag of cucumbers and tomatoes and squash. And I mean, you know, just glory God, man, ascending from on high, man. But, but it was just amazing. She did this. She said, I tossed it over here because I picked it the other day. And it sat here and died. We had so much of it, and we didn't know what to do, and I forgot, and I didn't take it in, didn't use it. Listen to me. When you're disconnected from the vine, you'll die. He's the source today. And this is the good news about Jesus. He's a good shepherd. He's a good gardener. He loves you. He'll bring you back in. He'll connect you. Well, what if I've done this while I was gone? Oh, it doesn't matter. He's the way. Well, what if I screwed this thing up and I did this and tried this and messed this up? Listen, we heard a success story today and how good God is. No matter what's happened in your life, what's turned around, you can be just testifying two years from now. You know something? It was on this day that God set me free. He cleaned me up. He turned me around. That's the Jesus that we serve. And listen today, all you have to do is this. All you have to do, let him place his hands on you and get him connect to you. And no matter what you've done, no matter how ugly it is today, he'll bring life into your situation. It'll live again. It will live again. 